Good morning, church. It is so good to see you, to know that uh, you're here with us or online, worshiping God together, coming to this table. I know we haven't taken the Lord's Supper yet. You may be wondering why we haven't done that. We're going to do that as a part of the sermon this morning. So this will be the the longest Lord's Supper focus you've ever heard. So uh, we'll do that in just a minute. Um, But again, as always, I love and I appreciate all of you. I love how one of the traditions here at McDermott Road, once a month, Dave gets up and he does these marriage milestones with us and he shares with us some of the folks that are celebrating an anniversary and all of us that, that celebrate our anniversaries, a lot of us probably when we one year rolls around or every year that rolls around, one of the things that we tend to do is we we have a meal, right? A lot of us have an anniversary supper. Maybe we'll, we'll make a nice dinner. Maybe we'll go out to dinner, but we'll have a meal. And that's what we've been talking about this, this month in this series is sharing meals and the significance of sharing meals. And why do we Why do we do that? Why do we have a special meal at a special time? Why do we celebrate with a meal? Why on our anniversaries do we have a special dinner? We we do it as a a celebration, obviously, and we, we might use the word reminder, right? Reminder is a good word. It reminds us of our wedding. It reminds us of our marriage. One of the things that we have a tradition of doing is saving the top of the wedding cake for the first year, you know, and, and having that, I don't know if y'all did that as well. I think that's kind of a bizarre tradition, don't you? I, I don't know if you preserve the top of your wedding cake better than Holly and I did. I was really looking forward to it because we didn't eat much of our cake at our actual wedding. So I thought, well, a year from now, we'll get to have it. It was stale and freezer burned. I mean, that was disgusting. I don't know why anybody does that, but maybe yours turned out better than ours. But but every year we we sit down and we have a meal together. Maybe we go out for a nice dinner And we do that, again, one of the words we might use is a reminder, but I think it's more than a reminder. I I rely on reminders. How about you? I I love reminders. I I use my phone all the time. I love saying, hey, Siri, remind me every Monday at 7 o'clock to do such and such. I, I love having a reminder because then I get an alert that keeps me from forgetting, And a reminder is important, isn't it? So we might say that our anniversary dinner every year is a reminder of who we are and who we are as individuals, who we are as a couple, a reminder of the promises that we've made to one another. But it it should be more than that, right? Because a reminder is to keep you from forgetting something. A reminder is there so that you don't forget. A reminder is there because you you have the potential of forgetting. And if your anniversary serves as that, it's kind of some problems going on, right? If you if you need a reminder, oh yeah, I forgot. I'm married. I forgot. I made these promises. We it should be more than that, shouldn't it? More than a reminder. I like the word remembrance. Our anniversary dinner serves as a remembrance, not not in order to remember, but because we remember. Because we remember. Do you see the difference between a reminder? A reminder is there in order to remember. Because you might forget if you didn't have the reminder. And you might need a reminder of your marriage. You might need a a reminder of your wedding. You might need a reminder of your vows. But, But hopefully it's there as a remembrance because you remember. 
as a way of declaring, I remember, I remember the promises that I made to you. I remember the covenant that we have with one another. I remember the vows that we took. I remember who I said I was going to be. I remember what you said to me. I remember what I said to you. And every year we celebrate with a meal of remembrance a remembrance of the covenant, not just a reminder, maybe it is that, but hopefully as a remembrance, as a way of declaring, I haven't forgotten. I remember the vows we took. I remember what we said to one another. I remember the promises that we made to one another. And our Lord's Supper is a remembrance. Maybe it's a reminder, and sometimes we do need a reminder, but hopefully we haven't forgotten from one week to the next who we are and who it is that we're supposed to be. Hopefully our our Lord's Supper every week is a remembrance meal, a remembrance of the covenant that we have with God. But but if we're going to talk about Luke 22 and we're going to talk about the the meal that we take every week as we come to the table, we have to tie that to the Exodus story because Jesus tied it to the Exodus story. We have to go all the way back to the Passover, and the Passover was a meal of remembrance. Not just a reminder every year, but a a remembrance. We haven't forgotten who we are as a people. We haven't forgotten where we were in Egypt we haven't forgotten what God has done for us. And so every, every year, the Israelites would come to their table and they would take the Passover meal. And there were things that they ate and there were things that they drank and there were things that they said as a remembrance. Everything symbolic, everything couched in this remembrance of who we are. So some of the things at the Passover meal would be bitter herbs, Every year at Passover, bitter herbs are eaten as a remembrance of the bitterness of slavery. And and food is dipped into a, a bowl of salt water as a remembrance of the tears of the slaves. Now, sometimes I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but sometimes we have this tendency to say bad things that happened a long time ago should be just forgotten And we only need to remember good things and positive things and inspiring things. But I think God would disagree. God told them every year to remember the bitterness of slavery, to remember the tears of the slaves. And so they eat these things as a remembrance. They eat the unleavened bread as a remembrance that they fled from Egypt without time for the bread to to rise. Every year they would eat The sacrificed lamb in Jesus' day would eat the sacrificed lamb as a remembrance that a lamb was sacrificed and the blood was put over the doorposts of the house in order for the angel of death to pass over that house so that God would save them from death, so that God would deliver them from slavery. And by Jesus' time, they would also drink four cups of wine. So throughout the supper, four cups were were drank, and there were things that were said, blessings that were said over each cup. And Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 7 was recited. One verb from Exodus 6, 6 through 7, one verb over each cup. For the first cup, 
The first part of Exodus 6 and verse 6, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So God says, I will bring you out. That's the first verb and the first cup. And then number two, the second cup of the Passover, and I will deliver you from slavery to them. And the third verb and the third cup was, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. And the fourth cup and the fourth verb, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So again, every year this remembrance meal, remembering what God has done, remembering the promises that God made to the Israelite people, remembering what God did on that night of Passover, that God promised, I will bring you out, I will deliver you, I will redeem you, I will take you to be my people. Remembering this is what God promised and this is what God delivered on. God kept his promises. I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. I will take you to be my people. And another part of the Passover meal was that as they sat around and and shared this remembrance meal, someone at the table, usually the youngest child or the person deemed to be the, the least significant person at the table, would be tasked with asking the question, why do we do this? What does all this mean? What what are these bitter herbs about? What, What is this salt water about? What is this unleavened bread about? What is the lamb about? And someone would ask, why do we do this? And so the father or the host of the meal would share the Exodus story. This is why we do this. This is what each piece of the meal represents. This is why we do what we do, because this is who we are. This is what God promised, and this is what God did. God promised, I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. I will take you to be my people. We were slaves. We were slaves, and God brought us out of Egypt. And he brought us through the Red Sea, and he brought us to Mount Sinai, and he gave us the law, and he gave us his promises, and he made us his covenant people. A reminder not just of the Exodus night, not just of that night where God's angel of death passed over the Israelite houses, but who they were before that and who they were after that. The promises that God made to the Israelite people. The covenant. And that's a powerful word, isn't it? Covenant. To be in a promised, legally binding relationship. Again, one of the only covenants that that we have today that is even comparable is that of marriage, but it's very comparable to the relationship that God had with Israel, a marriage. God says, of all the people in the whole world, I take you to be my people. And God made promises to them and and they made promises to God because there, there is no relationship without responsibilities. There is no relationship without responsibilities. This covenant had responsibilities. It had promises. And so every year this meal is eaten as a remembrance. This is what God promised. And this is what we promised to God. So look at Exodus chapter 24. I think this is powerful. When God brings the children of Israel out of Egypt and brings them to Mount Sinai, he gives them the law. He makes covenant with them. 
He says, this is who you're supposed to be. Be this kind of people. Do these sorts of things. It says in verse 3, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. We will do. It's like a, it's like a wedding, isn't it? Do you promise to such and such? Do you promise to such and such? And we say, I do. I do. And the people of Israel said, we will do these things. We will be this kind of people. They promised. They promised. We will keep the rules. We will keep the commandments. We will be God's people. Verse 4, and Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins and half of the blood he threw against the altar because blood purifies and sanctifies it, it sets something apart. It, it marks something as holy, as belonging to the Lord. This belongs to the Lord by covenant. This is the Lord's altar. And then verse 7, Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant. Remember that phrase. Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. He sprinkled the blood on the people as a way of signifying you belong to God. You are God's covenant people. You are sanctified. You are set apart. You are made holy. And again, there is no relationship without responsibility. This is a marriage. And they said, I do. We do. We will. We promise to keep our vows. We promise to be this sort of people. We promise to live out the covenant that God is making with us. Now, I, I love this next part of the story that we don't often talk about. Verse 9, then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. Now, does it reveal how they saw him, how fully they saw him, how clearly they saw him, but they saw him? And then what did they do? When these representatives of Israel went up and they saw God, they beheld God, and then they ate and drank. They, they had a meal, right? They had a feast. This is like the wedding reception, isn't it? Israel is married to God. Israel is married to God, and they, they have a feast to celebrate this covenant, this relationship. Now, the heartbreaking part of this story is if we were to keep reading, when Moses goes back up onto the mountain to get the tablets, what do the people of Israel do? They say, well, I don't know if he's coming back or not. Let's uh, go ahead and make some idols, right? And they broke the covenant that quick. 
They had just promised. They had just gotten married and they were spiritually adulterous right after their marriage to God. But every year, every year, the Passover was eaten. Every year, the people of Israel would come to the table as an act of remembrance of saying, we haven't forgotten what you've done for us. We haven't forgotten our covenant. We haven't forgotten that we were slaves. We haven't forgotten that you delivered us. We haven't forgotten that the angel of death passed over us. We haven't forgotten that you made us your special people. We haven't forgotten. We haven't forgotten that we promised to be this kind of people, to do these sorts of things, to live out this relationship with you, to take seriously the responsibility of this covenant relationship. So it's no surprise, is it, that Jesus chose that setting, that setting, to introduce the new covenant that God was going to make with everyone, everyone who would be a disciple of Jesus, everyone who wanted to be delivered, everyone who wanted to be set free. Jesus chose that setting to institute to give us this meal of remembrance. Look at Luke chapter 22 and verse 14. When the hour came, Jesus reclined at table and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Now, different commentators have different thoughts on what does Jesus mean by until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God, and that's when I will eat it with you again. Maybe he means in the age to come, in the resurrection, at the wedding feast of the Lamb, and and he'll eat it with his disciples. Or maybe Jesus means that in, in our taking of the bread and drinking of the cup, week by week, he's sharing it with us spiritually. I, I tend to lean towards the former, but but either way, either way, Jesus has fulfilled the Passover meal, hasn't he? Jesus has become the ultimate fulfillment of the Passover. And that's what he's sharing with his disciples, that he is becoming, and this meal is being fulfilled in what he is about to do. It says in verse 17, and he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this. And divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Now again, remember, in the Passover meal, there were probably four cups that were blessed and consumed. And this reminder of what Exodus says, these verbs, I will bring you out, I will deliver you, I will redeem you. I will take you to be my people. So maybe this cup that Jesus is taking now and blessing and giving it to his disciples, this is the first of those four cups. And Jesus is promising to do exactly what God promised to do for Israel. He's promising to do that for us. I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. I will take you to be my people. I am fulfilling these promises. I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. I will take you to be my people. 
And every year that the Passover was taken, it wasn't just about the past. It was also about the present and about the future, wasn't it? It helped them to contextualize what they were going through in the present by thinking back to the promises that God had made in the past. I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. I will take you to be my people. And as the people of Israel continued to suffer, continued to be oppressed, continued to be enslaved, they remembered the promises of God every time they took the cups of Passover. I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. I will take you to be my people. And do we realize that when we take the cup of the Lord's Supper, we are saying, I trust you. I trust you, Father. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Spirit. I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. I will take you to be my people. Every year that this Passover meal was eaten, And now every week that we take this new Passover meal, this remembrance meal, we're saying as we drink and as we eat, I trust you to keep your promises. I trust you. I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. I will take you to be my people. And we're saying, I trust you, Father. I trust you, Lord. I trust you that you will bring us out, that you will deliver us, that you will redeem us, that you will take us to be your people, and that you have already done so. And then we read in verse 19, and he took the bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I love that phrase. It's given for you. Jesus is the new Passover lamb. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Passover. And he says, I'm about to give my body for you because God keeps his promises. Every year you've said these words. Every year you've recited this story. Every year you've said, I believe these promises. I believe that God has and God will continue to bring us out, deliver us, redeem us, take us to be his people. Every year you've said it and now you get to see it. Now it's coming true. Now it's coming to pass and I'm going to give my body in order for God to keep his promises. In my body, through my body, through my sacrifice, I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. I will take you to be my people. I'm giving this, my body, for you. And when you eat this bread, you do this in remembrance of me. Not just as a reminder of me. It's not like we come here on Sunday mornings and we say, oh yeah, I forgot all about what Jesus did for me. Oh yeah, I forgot, I'm supposed to be God's covenant people. Maybe, maybe we need that reminder because maybe some of us didn't know or maybe some of us have forgotten. Maybe some of us have become so distracted throughout the week that we need a reminder. But hopefully it's more than that. Hopefully it's a remembrance. Hopefully it's a way for us to say, I haven't forgotten you, Lord. I haven't forgotten what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do. I continue to trust. I continue to trust in the redeeming, in the redeeming work that you did at the cross. 
I continue to trust in the redeeming work that you're doing at the Father's right hand. I continue to trust in what you have done, in what you are doing, and what you will do. I have not forgotten. Look at verse 20. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Just as Moses said, behold, behold the blood of the covenant and sprinkled the people with the blood. Jesus says, my blood is being poured out for you as a new covenant in my blood. And that's who we are, isn't it? We are the blood-sprinkled people as a way for God to say, you belong to me. We are in covenant with each other. We are in legally binding relationship with one another. You're mine and I'm yours. And Jesus says, my blood is being poured out so that you can be part of this new covenant. And when we drink this cup, we do so in remembrance of him. In remembrance of the promises that God makes. In the promises that God fulfills. In remembrance of the responsibilities that we have. In remembrance of the promises that we've made because there is no relationship without responsibility. We're saying the same things when we drink this cup that Israel was supposed to be saying. We haven't forgotten. We will obey. And just as maybe you and your spouse or maybe you and your, par- or your parents when they're celebrating their anniversary, as we share meals to remind us but also as a remembrance to say we haven't forgotten the promises that we've made. We haven't forgotten who we are promising to be and the promises that God has made to us. And so as we come every week to share the bread and share the cup in a very tangible, material, visible way, We are doing this not just as a reminder, but as a remembrance. We come to the table. We come to the table because we're resolved to remember. We're resolved to remember, aren't we? As we take this this meal, this bread, and this cup, we do so not because we've forgotten, not even because we're tempted to forget, Maybe we are sometimes. Maybe sometimes we're tempted to forget. But we take this meal because we're resolved to remember. Because we're saying week after week after week after week, I will not forget. I will not forget that your body was given for me. I will not forget that your blood was poured out for me. I will not forget my slavery. I will not forget my death. I will not forget that I was dead. I will not forget that I was enslaved to sin. I will not forget that I was groaning. I will not forget that I was hopeless. I will not forget that I had no access to God. I will not forget that I had no relationship to God until Jesus did what he did at the cross. I will not forget. And I will not forget who I promised to be when I was baptized into Christ. I will not forget the promise that I made to him. 
I will not forget to trust him. I will not forget to trust him with my past. I will not forget to trust him with my present. I will not forget to trust him with my future. We come to the table because we are resolved to remember. So I invite you this morning to remember with me as we pray. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, who has sent your Son to offer his body so we might be delivered from our bondage to sin and death. As we share this bread, may we do so as a declaration that we remember all that you have done for us in Christ Jesus our Lord. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Likewise, I invite you to remember as we share the cup. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has created the fruit of the vine. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, who has brought us out, delivered us, redeemed us, and taken us to yourself to be your covenant people. As we share this fruit of the vine, may we do so as a declaration that we remember the new covenant in Jesus' blood. We pray these things in his name. Amen. From time to time, we're in need of a reminder. We truly have forgotten who we are, whose we are. We've forgotten what it is that we were supposed to be doing. We've gotten caught up in things we shouldn't have been caught up in. We've gotten distracted by things that shouldn't have distracted us. And we need a, an invitation, a call back, Israel had so many times in their story, in their history, where they needed truly to be reminded who they were supposed to be. And maybe there's some of us gathered here this morning, and maybe through whatever reason, for whatever cause, we've become distracted, we've become derailed, and we need a reminder to fix our eyes on Jesus. Maybe we even need prayers and encouragement from our brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe we need to recommit our life to Jesus. Maybe we need to ask for admonishment and, and help in doing that. Maybe we need to confess our sins to, to one another and ask for prayers from one another. Or maybe, maybe there's somebody here this morning and you haven't even for the first time committed yourself to Jesus and you're ready. You're ready to have the blood applied to your life, to become sanctified, set apart, 
to enter into that legally binding covenant relationship with God so that you know and will always know and will always be able to remember that you belong to him and he belongs to you. Maybe there's somebody here and you're ready to be baptized into Christ or maybe you just need prayers or encouragement. Church, we're here for you to help you in any way we can. Now is your invitation as together we stand and sing this song.